We're joined today by the biggest seller on the e-commerce store, Etsy, whose business was born from a whim, nurtured by passion, and grew from the unexpected, unpredictable twists that life threw at her along the way. This, my friends, is a marketing masterclass. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to tank your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, listeners, and welcome back to Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, Timbo Reid, but you, so much more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing, and that is what we do around here. If you are new to the show, yeah, it's a show all about inspiring you, the business owner, to do great marketing, to grow that baby of yours into the empire that you would love it to be. Now, we have got, (laughs) I always say it's a big show, but today I, I feel a little bit hurried, and I don't want to because there is so much marketing gold to be shared. It is dripping from the ceiling. I've got this lady, Alicia Schaefer, who is the number one seller in on, in dollar terms on the e-commerce store Etsy. And I tell you, she shares with us some marketing and business insights that are going to blow your mind. You know how I normally do a top 10? Uh, sorry, you know how I normally do a top three or five? I got a top 10 today of learnings from that interview. So stay tuned for that. I did my first national live TV segment two days ago, and I want to share a little bit of an insight into that. Got a marketing uh, motivational quote of the week that reinforces that it's good to be crazy (laughs) and so much more. So let's get stuck right in. Small business, big marketing with Tim Reid. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Righto, let's do a quick little check-in. How's your week been? you had a great week? Pat yourself on the back if you've had a win or two. I've had some wins. I'm going to put aside the losses, although I did have a loss. One of the wins was I got a, uh, I got four bookings, four uh, bookings to speak at various conferences, but I also lost uh, four bookings to none other than Steve Bradbury, which I find kind of weird. He was my guest last week, Olympic gold medalist Steve Bradbury. And there are conference organizers out there choosing between an Olympic gold medalist and a marketing bloke. That is interesting in itself. So, uh, But that's okay. I don't mind losing as long as I win some along the way. I did my first live TV segment on Sky Channel uh, Friday night on a show called Business Success. The host, Heidi, was absolutely fantastic. It was an 11-minute live cross out of the studio. I was so excited. I loved it. And uh, I've had some wonderful, wonderful feedback from it. And a big thanks to our very own Andrew Griffiths for putting me up for that. Uh, It was just a really great experience. And I've got to tell you, I got the bug. Oh, no. I have got the bug. I want my own show. I want to do something more than... uh, 
just a live cross every now and then. Uh, when I grab it, when I get the uh, file, I will. Um, I'll do a blog actually about the experience and how it came about and what it, what it's kind of meant to me. But it was a lot of fun. Eleven minutes of sharing marketing gold with a small business audience on national TV can't be a bad thing. Also, I caught up with some mates uh, during the week and played Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki is that how you say? Uh, his game Cashflow, board game Cashflow, which was a lot of fun. Had a really good week, got lots done, got lots of planning to do going forward, got some really good things on the boil. I hope you have too. Uh, be sure to share them in the show notes over at episode 235. I'd love to know what you think. We talk about a lot in the Small Business Big Marketing Forum about how our business is going. But if you're not a member there, then you're going to just have to leave a comment in the show notes. But if you hey, want to join the forum, head over to crankmymarketing.com. Righto, coming up, we are joined by Alicia Schaefer, who's the second biggest seller on online store Etsy. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now, you know by now that NetRegistry can help you get your online marketing sorted. And one thing they do very, very well is build red-hot websites. But what makes a red-hot website? I hear you ask. Well, the last three episodes, I've been sharing some characteristics of what makes a great website. And I think we're up to about seven or eight. So here's a couple more characteristics that you should include in your website if you want it to outperform. Be sure it includes a clear call to action. What do you want people to do having visited any page of your website? Do you want them to phone you, email you, register for something? You might be wanting to build a list, request a quote, whatever it may be. Another characteristic of a high-performing website, include a blog such an easy way to populate your website with up-to-date information. And Google love up-to-date information. So if your website is underperforming and it is missing calls to action, it is missing a blog, it is missing some of the other characteristics I've shared in past recent episodes, then head over to netregistry.com.au or call them on 1-300-638-734 and tell them Timbo sent you. So... Marketing Masterclass, here we go. Today's guest is Alicia Schaefer. She owns a business called Three Bird Nest, and she is the number one selling retailer in dollar amount on the e-commerce store Etsy. She's also second in the number of sales she makes. Now, if you don't know what Etsy is, it's a peer-to-peer e-commerce website which is focused on handmade and vintage items of clothing, right? Get this. There is 1.5 million stores on Etsy, and Alicia is number one and number two. This is amazing. And she explains in this fireside chat I have with her how she does it. There is so much gold. I'm I'm really excited to bring it to you. I'm going to get there very shortly. Suffice to say, have a pen and paper ready because there is lots of, as I said, I haven't got top three at top five. I've got a top 10 at the end of this interview in terms of learnings. I start by asking Alicia, who's her favorite cartoon character? Oh my goodness. Um, I would have to say Donald Duck. Ah. Do you see a little bit of yourself in Donald Duck? 
No, I just found him hilarious as a child because I was very, very sheltered in regards to what I could watch and could not watch on television. So from a cartoon standpoint, I only could, I was limited what I could watch. And he was the one that would always get flustered. And I just remember good times because I remember laughing when I saw him. So yeah, that was uh, always hilarious to me. In in my short um, conversations with you, I get a sense that humor is really important to your both personal life and business life? Oh, it has to be, especially when you have children, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can't tell you what, my dear old dad, who's no longer with us, he uh, he said, you got to laugh, Tim. You just got to be able to laugh. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, thank you for sharing that. And my favorite one, look, I keep coming back to the Roadrunner. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, that one drove me crazy. I just, you know, he's always running. He's always running from something. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, yeah. That was a. That's a good one, though. Too. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, very few words, too. You know, great marketing. You and I share a love of marketing. One of the things with, I think, great marketing, great copy, great messaging is uh, the limited amount of words. And I think right. all the Roadrunner ever said was meep meep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey, now let's get serious. During the GFC, before we talk about the success of this wonderful business called Three Bird Nest, which is the second top seller on Etsy, mm-hmm. you had a business in the GFC selling baby products. Correct. How'd that go for you? Um, initially, I thought it was fantastic, and it was really my first stab at being an entre- entrepreneur as an adult. I had many businesses as a child and as a teen, but my first real true business that um, became you know, supporting a family was that baby carrier business. So after my first son was born, um, I invented a baby sling and it took off. And the marketing for that um, was really more towards brick and mortar stores. We sold to, you know, the big box retailers here in the U.S. Actually, Australia was a huge market for us. Really? We had an am- Yeah, we had an amazing distributor in Australia who did a phenomenal job of getting us all and all the um, stockists in all of the stores in Australia. Um, but what happened is I didn't know a lot about revenues and making sure your profit margins are actually, you know, factoring in costs that you might not, you know, originally think are costs to run the business and really making sure that you're, um, reinvesting back in the business. So for me at that time, I thought it was a fantastic idea if I made $50 that I'd be able to buy something with $50 instead of reinvesting it back in the business. And then you get to a certain point when you start doing volume in the millions when you have lines of credit out for you know production. Mm-hmm. What really nailed us was around 2008, You know, obviously the economy was a huge issue, but um, what had happened is we had gone into business with one of the huge big box stores and had ordered you know, about a million dollars of inventory for them that we had an exclusive agreement that we only could sell it through their channels, through their stores. And um, what what happened was the carriers weren't selling for them, so they pulled the plug, and we were stuck with this inventory of about $850,000 that we couldn't move because legally we were contracted to not be able to sell it to anyone but them, and they pulled the product because it wasn't moving for them. So that really, really killed us at that time, and um, I was forced to essentially sell the business just for some debt that I had to cover, and that was it. We got nothing out of it, absolutely nothing. Um, you, you, we co- still had- you covered your debt? Yep. No, we didn't. I had personally, um, you know, there was a couple loans that I had personally guaranteed and we were still responsible for that. So we went through very, very, very difficult times um, in 2009, 2008, 2009, going from, you know, having two 
you know, high salaries, the business is doing great, you know, we can, you know, make money off of it to essentially going down to one. And, you know, our lifestyle didn't change. We still had, you know, children to support. We still had, you know, a home and a mortgage we had to pay. So we really had to put our heads together and figure out how we were going to dig ourselves out of this debt and how we were going to recover. And, you know, to me, that was one of the most trying times when you really can see the bottom and you're really just trying to crawl up the wall, not to just hit the bottom, um, doing everything you can. And we literally, I think, hit the bottom, but bounced. And between my husband and I, we said, we are not going to fail. We are going to have to, you know, put our minds together. What can we do? You know, we're both obviously, he's like, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. We both are smart. We've got to do something to dig us out of this hole. And that was where I wasn't ready, I think, yet to be um, truly a believing in myself quite yet. Cause I think once you fail and have such a huge failure that it affects your family, a lot of people are okay. Well, I'm done with this own, your own business thing because you know, I just, mm. I don't want to get into this debt, you know, or this risk or anything like that. But we, um, kind of went the other route and said, you know, we have amazing ideas. Let's, you know, do what we can. So at that time we had a building in a downtown where we live and it was vacant. Nobody wants to open a store in 2009. Nobody wants Mm. to open a store in 2010. And we really got down to where it was the last month we had of money to be able to pay our mortgage for our house and pay the mortgage for the building before we were going to start getting foreclosed on, on both of them. So we, um, opened up a boutique, which was completely against what any probably economist or, you know, person or in retail would have told you to do during um, 2010. And my husband is really, really creative. He can build anything. He's amazing, amazing woodworker. And he did the whole build out for the store. And within a month, we opened up a women's boutique. And what we did was we really focused on delivering amazing customer service in a cozy, warm atmosphere where you felt like you were shopping your girlfriend's closet. (laughs) And um, the store started doing really good. And that was when we, f- I really said, okay, I think I can do this again. I think I can have a business again. And, um, you know, we ran that business for a year and then kind of the, um, inception of the first idea for three bird nest came out of that when I started making headbands for the store. So that's kind of the long winded version of, you know, my, um, my kind of track record and, um, where, you know, I'm at today is definitely, where I believe you have to believe in yourself. You have to know that you can do it. And you also have to learn from your mistakes because, you know, it's really, really important. If you make a mistake and it doesn't work, don't repeat it. And that's, you know, some of the things that have been difficult, I think, especially when you're comfortable making some certain mistakes. Wow. Well, well firstly, well done for picking yourself up yeah. off the ground because, as you say, many wouldn't. And, you, you know, you – clearly an entrepreneur from birth, having had businesses as a kid, as a young adult. And then as you say, you know, that was your first step into being an adult entrepreneur. Correct. You're beautifully confident in the way you share that that tale, (laughs) that tale (laughs) of the highs and lows. Was that always the case? Were you always, have you always been a confident person? Did you get the wobbles where you've just kind of lost (laughs) your confidence? Absolutely. You know, when you have this business and I think, you know, you walk around like a peacock and, oh, yay, look at me. I've got this super successful business. And then it tanks. It really, really does something to your pride. It does something to your confidence. But really for me, it did more than that. It really humbled me. It really, truly made me appreciate any dollar that any customer spent in my store. 
um, on my products because it wasn't just a number to me anymore. It was the appreciation that somebody else had of, you know, essentially my style and what I'm, you know, putting in front of them to purchase. So once I got over the part of, you know, being, oh, woe is me. Oh, look at, we've almost lost everything. Um, I said, you know what, forget this, this we've, you know, I'm not going to let this be, you know, my legacy. I'm going to, you know, kick butt and make this happen. And that's what we've done. And, you know, my husband is great. He's, you know, somebody who will never give up. And I think with the two of us together, we have made a fabulous team. And the difference now, um, I believe from, you know, having a business now versus when I had one then, both are successful. Both have been, you know, generating, um, you know, great, you know, sales. But the difference for me is my true appreciation of success because I've tasted failure. Mm -hmm. And that you can't explain almost that you just have to experience it to know what failure tastes like and to know what it feels like to come back from success from success and have another business you appreciate it 100fold you know i want to inspire other people to you know take that next step in their business to go forward with an idea they've maybe been sitting on um to you know step outside the box and you know try something different with their current business that they're doing because it's not working for them um and I believe I'm that way now because of everything that I've been through in the past. So it's had such amazing positive outcomes, but at the time, no way. I was like, why is everything happening like this to us? Why, why, why? And it's that whole, you know, Steve Jobs quote, which I love. And it's like, you can only connect the dots looking back. When you're going through the moments, you don't know why all of these things are happening. But in hindsight, you can connect the dots. And for me, I can connect those dots. I can be inspired by them. I can remind myself of, you know, never giving up, keep going, keep kicking butt, you know, Mm. let's, you know, show our children that you can do anything and can be successful. And um, yeah, it's, it's been so much better this time around. Would it be fair to say that uh, you you sound like you've got a very, very strong relationship with your, what both husband and business partner that, that, that he is and that, open lines of communication where everything like nothing's hidden everything's talked i'm kind of putting words into your mouth here but not everything's talked about we're going to make this work is that and and always looking up not down yeah and you know it's interesting because when i had the baby products business it was kind of you know me 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 and i'm Mm. running this business and um that doesn't work it doesn't really work when you're in a relationship with somebody when you know, essentially you're taking all the credit for something with no matter what, no matter even if that person is not involved in your everyday, in your office, you know, working with you side by side, if they're your spouse, if they're your partner, if they're, you know, your significant other, they're there supporting you, even if it's at home when you get home. It doesn't matter. That person deserves credit. They deserve, you know what I mean? Like people don't like to feel that they're not appreciated. And I think for him and I, just on a relationship level, being having gone through that together and coming out of that together, 100% has made us a stronger, a stronger as a couple. It strengthened our relationship. And granted, you wouldn't have, we wouldn't have thought that either going through it because it was horribly stressful. Mm. But you know, yeah, we've definitely appreciated the 
um, importance of communication and taking time for us and discussing things and, you know, involving each other in what we do on a daily basis. Cause it's so easy, especially if you're busy and especially if you have your own business. And if one person's running the marketing aspect of it and another person might be doing the bookkeeping, um, it's so easy to have a disconnect. Um, but I think it's so important that you have that time where you can talk as business partners, that you can talk as friends, that you can talk as, you know, lovers, whatever you want to say, um, to make it successful. Um, it's just important. And, you know, again, that's another lesson I've learned. So, yeah. <laughs> so many lessons. Hey, now let's talk then. We, we, yeah. you've, got the, you've got the store, the high street store, as we'd call right. it. Uh, you then, was that called Three Bird Nest? No, it wasn't. It was a completely um, different brand. Okay, but but essentially selling what Three Bird Nest sells now, correct? Yeah, yes, very similar. Okay, so that would be kind of – I, I don't have a fashion bone in my body, Alicia, so like, <laughs> just, just bear with me. But sure. it's like selling that kind of vintage-type uh, yeah. clothing for, for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay, Correct. so at yep. what point did you go from that high street store to creating this brand called Three Bird Nest and putting it on Etsy? You know, really um – the first step for me was the store itself didn't have a website. And since I was really only doing headbands and, you know, handmade kind of accessories at that time, it was very small. And Etsy seemed like the great, you know, a great marketplace for us to start. So I started selling on there and I was trying to think of a username. I didn't necessarily want it to be the same name as our brick and mortar store. And I have a tattoo on my left forearm that is for my three kids and it's literally three birds in a nest. So that's just like my symbol for my children that I got as a tattoo on my arm. So I was sitting there on the couch trying to think of a creative name that would kind of stick, but it was a little bit different than what you might hear. And it's right in front of you. Yeah, it was right in front of me, literally. And so um, that's kind of where it first started. So, so this is interesting. So you've, you've renamed the business Three Bird Nest. You've gone, well, we need a website. And right. instead of going and having you know, a WordPress site or a Squarespace site right. built, you've actually gone, no, 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 let's use an existing e-commerce platform because the website yep. that we want is one where people can buy, not necessarily just browse. Correct. So you've gone, let's start a store on Etsy and, and reflect what we have in store, but open it up to the world. Exactly. And, you know, it also comes down to finance financials. And in the beginning, most people don't have the money to have a website created. It's expensive. And what's even more expensive is driving traffic to your website. So the customers are already coming to Etsy. Etsy does a great job of, you know, marketing the products that are for sale on their website. So the important part, if you're selling on a platform, is to make sure that your shop within that platform is what stands out. And that's what drove me is, you know, I wanted to stand out from everybody else selling on Etsy. I wanted to be unique and I wanted to be the photo that they clicked on when they searched for headbands or cute scarves. Um, and that was how we started growing. And I really started seeing the need for you know, basic accessories and the ability for me to grow this brand into more than just something to pay for dance lessons for my daughter, (laughs) that it really had the opportunity to grow it into a real, real brand. And that was kind of the deciding factor for me to, you know, move away from having the brick and mortar store and focusing 100% on three bird nests. So I sold the store actually to a gal that was working for me at the time. And um, she, she took over and, you know, and started running the shop um, her way. And then I 
am just focused 100% on three bird nest. And one of one of the deciding factors is I have three kids. I can do online stuff at yeah. three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> How long was the time difference? So you've started this brick and mortar store. Right. You've opened up an Etsy store. You sold the brick and mortar store. After what period of time? We had been open, and the brick and mortar store had been open for three years when I sold it. And at what? When within that three year period? What time? When did you start the Etsy store? Eighteen months in, a year in. Yes, it was a year and a half into. um, Year and a half in. So okay, so you you're, you're on Etsy for a year and a half before selling the shop. Yep. And okay, so this is, I know having listened to previous interviews with you, Alicia, you, you make the point of start with what you have. So right. as much as you, and I love your approach to the Etsy store, which is like, we got to make this baby stand out mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. all the other stores on Etsy, of which I'm guessing there are, well, I don't know, tens of thousands. There's um, about 1.5 million different oh, shops. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So you've had the, the nouse because you've right. been bitten before. We've got to stand out. Yep. But. Yep. I'm guessing you didn't go and spend a whole lot of dough on uh, photography shoots, models, nope. Um, nope. all that, you know, photoshopping, all that type of stuff. No. Um, what did you do? You know, I really started from what I knew, and that was um, have delivering amazing customer service. And that was really what I knew would differentiate us. I knew delivering a product that was styled in a way that would fit into people's lifestyles is something that we um, would do. Because when I looked on Etsy, especially for headbands, a lot of people used mannequins heads. A lot of people did flat lays with the headbands. And then, so I think it was really different when we started taking the headband photos on an actual person, an actual model's head, that it really connected more with people seeing an actual human wearing the headband that they were able to see, oh yeah, that's how it's going to look on me and be able to start buying it. They were more confident, I believe, in their purchasing of the item because they could see it on a person versus a mannequin. Marketing isn't brain surgery sometimes, is it? Because as you describe that, you go, well, the ca- the category the industry is currently using mannequins or flat mm-hmm. lays, but but that they're the weird ideas when you think about it. Like right. the normal idea is to get a human being <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to showcase your product. In fact, I'm going right. to take that to the next level. Next time you have um, a high street store, which is probably going to be never Alicia, but if you do, <laughs> have human mannequins in the window. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Moving around. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Give them like five minutes an hour where they can stretch, yeah. you know. But <laughs> yep. but going back, okay. So point of difference: human beings showcasing your product. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm guessing I don't know iPhone or fancy camera. It, it was my iPhone, so um, I would literally put um, the girl that you see in the pictures that we've used, you know, kind of since. Um, the beginning, who's really become the face of Three Bird Nest, is she worked for me at my boutique. So she was one of the sales girls. And her and I became really, really good friends. And she really has become a friend of the family. So I actually refer to her as my sister. And you may see that in some articles that she's my sister. Um, she, she's, a bit of a, she's a bit of a spunk, Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we would literally put, a, you know, be back in 10 minutes on the front of the boutique store, we would lock the door, we would run into the back and I would flip out my iPhone and we would take pictures of the headbands really quickly. And then we would go back and open the store again. And then at night when the kids went to bed, I would literally on my iPhone go through all the photos and just crop them into a square, 
apply a filter and then upload them to Etsy. So that was really what it was in the beginning, which is funny now looking back at it. But again, it was different than what people were doing. It wasn't, we weren't caught, we weren't copying anything. We were really just looking at what does our customer want? Like what would our customer want to purchase? And then we try to deliver that. And, you know, we included, you know, little cards in our packaging. We included a little candy, um, you know, started reaching out to people, asking them to join our social media and, you know, just offering, you know, bounce backs for, you know, 10% off your next order and starting off small with the amount of money I had. But the key importance is I reinvested our profits back into the business and still I'm doing that to this day. Um, and I think that's a huge lesson that I learned from the first time around is I didn't do that. Um, I didn't reinvest my money back into the business. I just kind of spent money. <laughs> yeah, right. You thought, oh, hang on, here's some money. We're, we're doing okay. We'll go and go on a holiday, buy you know, yeah, new exactly. car, whatever it may be. So right. you're, putting, you're, you're drawing a salary, I'm guessing, from – Yeah, I am drawing – I actually had to start drawing a salary last year just for um, tax purposes and mm. it drives me crazy because I want to put everything back as I can into um, the business. But, and you know, when you say is- putting everything back, what are you talking about putting on more staff? Are you buying better equipment? Are you putting it into marketing? Where, mm-hmm. are you, where does that money go? You know, really it, the majority of everything goes to expanding our inventory and expanding – how much we have of everything because, you know, we've had to develop, you know, different shipping procedures and, you know, different, um, ways that we process orders and all that stuff isn't, isn't cheap. Um, the website, we really tried to keep minimal on the expenses of that and, um, keep that, you know, really, really low. And there's so many different platforms out there for websites that Mm -hmm. you can get a great designer that can, you know, custom design a site on a platform that's a lot cheaper than, you know, going from scratch and having to have a whole site programmed. So, um, you know, employees, yes, but also some, you know, for me, the main thing is really just fine tuning the processes and making sure we have the correct processes in place for growth. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that has been, you know, shipping and receiving and our processes. And we had a huge nightmare um, last Christmas um, for shipping that I, I wake up sometimes and wish it was you know, not a reality. And we've learned from that and have had to redo our entire um, shipping process, which, you know, delayed shipments again, unfortunately, to our customers. But now we're at the point where um, it's so going to be so seamless and, mm. you know, the errors of shipping and the speed of the customers getting their orders is going to go out. And that's what I want. I want the customers to order and they're excited. People want their product, especially if it's clothes or headbands, yeah, you know, yeah, they it's, go it's exciting, yeah. that moment and when we they want to deliver the, that. The moment when the, uh, the UPS van, van yes. comes down the driveway, that is it. That is, I spoke uh, to the head of the national online retailers association in Australia a few weeks ago on this show. And mm-hmm. we talked about that whole experience that you've mentioned customer experience a few times, Alicia, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that experience, because it's even more important and, and potentially harder when you are dealing online, but it's like, right. what is that experience that your customer, your prospect has from mm-hmm. the moment they come into contact with your brand right. to to browsing, to buying, mm-hmm. to receiving, to right. follow up, to the next time, uh, to them telling someone else what a good or bad experience they had with Three Bird Nest. And it's right. like, we've got to control as much of that as we can 
yep. and give customer good read, good read. <laughs> My yeah. surname's Reed, so that was a faux pas. But a good reason <laughs> to talk about us. And I've, I've coined a phrase called word of mouse, mm-hmm. which, which is, you know, like what you, I guess what you're doing, which is you get people to talk about you on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or whatever it is. But um, is there one particular thing that you do in your customer service that you think is – you know, goes, I call them one percenters. They go, it goes above and beyond what people expect. You know, there's several times where, you know, if a customer, if, for example, I can give you some orders late, orders lately or over holiday, we were using a third party fulfillment center Mm. and I didn't have the staff or the warehouse to be able to ramp up quickly enough for holiday. And so what I did is I outsourced our shipping to a third party and I literally think what they did was when they received all of our product, they made a huge mountain of everything, mixed it all up, and then when the orders came, they just picked whatever they could and shipped it out to the customers. Because it, it was a complete nightmare disaster. And imagine our customers are ordering Christmas gifts. Mm. We're, we're excited. We like delivering Christmas. We like mm. delivering holiday gifts. We love that. That's part of you know, my excitement for having a company that does have, you know, great giftable items is I love delivering things on time to people. And when we had such this huge disaster, I had to make a quick decision after holiday of what we were going to do to turn that around. And what that meant was move where move, leave that warehouse and go to a new one where we could set up the entire process. So um, what I had to do, unfortunately, was um, all the customers who didn't get the right product or who didn't get their order, um, our customer service team dealt with them and, you know, did what they could to get them their new product or, you know, refund them or whatnot. But then the second thing is we gave um, each of the customers who had a huge order delay, like a 15, a 15 or $25 credit to the website to order from us again, just because we wanted them to trust us and know Love that it. we appreciate their business and we don't want to lose it. So um, they order from us again and we're in the middle of this new warehouse move and it takes four times as long essentially to get it set up because we have to get it done right. I'm not going to have this nightmare over holiday like we had again. But of course, to the customer, they don't know that. They just know that their order is delayed again. So it's been, you know, the past couple of months have been very trying from a logistics standpoint, but now we're set up to where everything coming in is going out, um, all of our inventory is streamlined. But what we've done is, you know, I've sent out personal messages to the people I know that are really upset and, you know, we'll credit back their order. We've even, you know, refunded some people who have had like a disaster experience with their order and still sent them the product. Are you picking um, up the phone and calling clients? Absolutely, we have. Um, I have, you know, our customer service manager has and I've emailed people um, personally so they know it's coming from me. Look it, I... I want you to know we care about you and a lot of this was out and it seems lame because I don't want to make excuses because at the end of the day, they ordered from us and we need to deliver to them regardless of, you know, what the backstory is and that's what we want to do. Yeah, love it. So, you know, recovering from that is really just putting the best foot forward that we can and being as transparent as we can and say, look, we know we messed up, but we've recovered from that. Here we are. Trust us again. We promise we're going to get you your items and, you know, making it worth our while. So, you know, it's so important to me that customer relationship that they are excited to shop your mm. your site. They want to come back. They're a fan of yours on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, social media. And you're really, you know, relatable to them. I think I that's a huge thing. I also think you can make that a game. I think it's such an important part of the whole marketing th- mix and, 
you know, when I say making it a game, have fun with it. Have fun yeah. with the idea of giving people, putting a smile on people's dial when they come into yeah. your virtual store, when they receive the package at the other end and unwrap it and there's some candy in there yeah. or, or a discount voucher for the next purchase. And, oh, you know, these things are such low cost to you, the business owner, but such yeah. high perceived value to the recipient. Hey, I want to move on. Gosh, you, yeah. I, I love talking to you. Listeners, I'm talking to Alicia Schaefer, who is the second biggest seller on the website Etsy, uh, which is a, a website that sells craft and vintage wear. It's sort of like a big, yeah, sort of like a big eBay. Not really. It's not auctions. It's you, you buy now. But Alicia, you have moved on from Etsy. You've yep. still got your Etsy store. You've right. now got threebirdnest.com. And yep. I am guessing that is because you wanted to take entire control of your uh, e-commerce presence and and I'm guessing stop paying commission to a third party. Yeah, and you know it even goes further than that with we love listening to our customers and one of the things that we kept getting repetitive um, you know questions on is the clothing in each of our photos that we used for the headbands and our scars. People wanted to know where we got the shirts, where we got the pants, where we got the shoes. And it kind of, the light kind of went on and I said, well, why are we not giving our customers what they want and really being a one-stop shop for them to get an effortless style from head to toe? We, you know, post everything in outfits. We put all the links um, for, you know, every item that's shown in the photo. And, you know, we really hopefully translate the style that we offer into that customer's, um, you know, day-to-day life. And yeah, absolutely. Etsy does take a good chunk of change for every sale, um, as well as we are limited on what we can sell on there to us making it. So, you know, that's another thing that on our website, we can branch out and add, you know, clothing from, you know, that's globally sourced from around uh, the world. Okay, as because well Etsy as, yep. is about you producing everything. It's like it's right. it's coming from your workshop, whereas... Yep. Uh, what you've been able to do now with your own website is you're yep. still you still continue to make um, a, a percentage of the product, but you're now yes. sourcing. Yes, exactly. What's the split? Um, you know, if you look at it now, I mean, I think because we've been growing so much in the clothing avenue, um, we really are probably at like a seventy-five twenty-five. So seventy-five percent of the merchandise sourcing is outsourcing and obviously that's only on our website. And then that 25%, which is the stuff that we do in-house is on Etsy as well as our website. But um, like all of the kind of newer stuff and, you know, a lot of the the jewelry and the clothes and the shoes and, you know, the things that really complete the outfit are items that are only on our website that are items that we do source. So what was the, um, how long ago did you move into your, have your own, having your own website, Alicia? Um, we launched the website about a year and a okay. half after Etsy. After Etsy. So what yes. did you see? When did all of a sudden that website take off? Because essentially you I, I'm, you can't promote your no. standalone website out of Etsy. So, no. So um, how did you – you're effectively starting a brand new online right. presence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a in a what I call a haystack, which is the internet, and you mm-hmm. are the needle. How yes. did you get that bad boy found? You know, what we did is and what we continue to do is, you know, convert really our Etsy shopper onto our website. And we would put the inserts into all of our orders that would have just the URL for our website, asking them to shop there with like a $10 off their order from our website. So that way they can really know that we have our own website, that they can see that we have um, – 
you know, an extensive, you know, more categories that they can purchase from. And then we also started um, really focusing on instead of, you know, anytime we ran a promo or a sale, we used to push everything to Etsy because that was, I don't want to say it was easier, but it was kind of easier for us because that that's what we were known for. Mm-hmm. But we decided, you know, last year, really probably about August, um, that we were really going to focus heavily on our website and, you know, driving the traffic to our website and asking our customers to shop there because we can provide them with a lot more um, than we can within Etsy. Okay. So there's, that's one avenue. That's a slow burn. It's a smart yes. burn because you're, they're, existing, they're existing clients. They love you already. So they're going, cool, Alicia's got a website now We can, and there's more on offer. But what about the bigger world? Um, and sure. I'm guessing ranking, you know, like you are in a competitive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not your target audience, but I'm, so I'm not sure what I'd key into Google to find a website right. like you. But what are you doing? You're doing AdWords? You're doing social media? Are you doing SEO? Um, what do you got? You're yeah, running ads in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I wish. <laughs> um, you know, we we really um, try to reach out and target with um, bloggers and you know, really brand activists. We like to call them that. Will wear our product. Will tag us on social media to get their audience to know more about us. We're really active in social media on our Facebook page. Um, we are very active. We post you know five to six times a day of new items as well as sales as well as you know pictures that really have nothing to do with sales, but they're like a cute dog or something that's fun Mm. that like appeals to our audience. Um, But, you know, to get new, to get new users to our site who don't know about us, um, we do, you know, some sponsor some boosts on Facebook Mm -hmm. and we do see, we've had great success with that um, as well as pin our own items to Pinterest because that's free and that's a great way to get your items in front of people and you have to do it systematically because you know if you go on Pinterest every single day and pin a hundred items you know it's going to kind of annoy other people that are following you but you know if you pin three or four you know every hour throughout the day then you know sooner or later one of your items is going to get picked up by someone who pins a lot and you know they'll start you know um, clicking back to your website. Pinterest would be huge for you wouldn't it? Yeah. So that's been really, really mm. successful for us. And, you know, I haven't had the the budget, you know, to really have a huge advertising marketing campaign. So we've been, you know, really, really aggressive on social media and in a way that I'm not trying to sell something to somebody. I just am so excited about what we do and now having the, you know, the whole effortless style for the whole complete outfit that, um, I want people to be excited like we are and share it. And that's where we're getting additional, you know, people coming to the site. I um, interviewed some girls a few months ago now. They have a product. In fact, they're graphic designers, Alicia, and they thought, well, we better we better practice what we preach. We better create our own product that's going to allow us to share our brand experience. And they created a product called Frank Body Scrub. So it's actually used coffee granules from cafes, which they turn into a body scrub. And one of their marketing strategies, which I kind of like, I could see you using, they use seeding. And seeding is where they send... Um, a Polaroid camera and some body scrub to celebrities. And they say, hey, listen, here's the um, here's some body scrub Polaroid. Take some photos of yourself with the scrub on. And then they post it and then they post it to Instagram. And um, that's worked really well for them. Do you seed at all? Do you have well-known people wearing Three Bird Nest? Um, not yet. We have one thing in the works that 
until it's done, I don't want to get too excited about it. <laughs> but if it does happen, it will be huge for us. So um, It's just you and I on this call. So do you want to just maybe yeah. share that with me? I'll give you my point of view. It, um, from a celebrity? Yep. Yeah. So I made a bracelet for a very, very well-known singer here in the U.S. who has millions and millions and hundreds of millions of followers. And her stylist had reached out to us because she's going to a music festival. So we outfitted her for two days in all of our product. And then I made her a huge, like a, a bracelet that had her initials on it. And T- so- T.S.? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Uh-huh. So- um we're, we got feedback today that she absolutely loves it and has it. And um, I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, oh, yeah. social media or something gets put out there that it came from us. And I, I'll be really, really excited. Hashtag so. OMG. Hashtag yes, T I'm Swift. Dead, yeah. I love that. Good on you. Yeah. Well, I hope that works for you because I, I – I, you know, the quality of your clothes, the look of your clothes, just, that that whole seating thing just would seems to work for me. For me, I um, my daughter loves what you do. Stephanie's fourteen, and uh-huh. she's got a pretty good little marketing brain on her. I'm quite proud of her. And I said, "Hey, Steph, I'm interviewing this lady, Alicia, who's got three bird nests. Go and check it out, and tell me what questions you've got." Right. And, and I was hoping for some kind of like, you know, interrogating emotional questions, Alicia. But yeah. all I got was. What's with the way she prices? Everything's something 80 cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's intentional. Yeah, tell so, me about that. $32.80, $17.80. What's with the yeah. 80? So I feel that 99 cheapens a product, and that's just my own own thing. I don't you know, you could take it for what it's worth, but I don't like things that are priced at, you know, twelve ninety nine, And I only price things at 99 if they're actually on sale. Um, but other than that, we do the 80 cents because if I price something at just $38, that's great. But if I price something at $38.80, I'm getting almost an extra dollar for that sale. And um, it's not any different to our customer. And it keeps me from going up to 39 So, you know, we've really kind of intentionally, you know, done that to where it's kind of like, I don't know, our pricing strategy um, to keep things, you know, a little like a dollar less than what we would kind of roll them up to without going to the 99. Love it. I had a um, a guest on a few weeks ago. He has a discount store in Australia and um, his pricing strategy was, you know, $3.76, um, $4.92. Uh, and there uh-huh. wasn't a consistency in terms of the decimals, but the way he did it was that they were random decimals. And his reason was because it looked like a wholesale price, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah that is very interesting. Yeah. So not dissimilar to you there. Loving what you're doing, Alicia. Um, So many other questions, but I just want to finish up by asking, is there some marketing um, that you would love to try but haven't? Oh, gosh, there would. You know, we've never done any true, um, you know, advertising, I think. So I would (laughs) love to absolutely do something that was very different. I would love to do, um, you know, something more along the lines of creating – like a video that really could show all the different styles, you know, of somebody wearing like our product in so many different styles. Um, and you know, the different looks of three bird nests from like the same outfit and, you know, being able to get that in front of our, our users, putting it on, you know, YouTube and, you know, really targeting some, you know, 
curators, I guess, mm. um, that have, you know, huge followings. And I love, I don't know, I love so many different forms of advertising, but it's always interesting to think about where you'd, you would actually put your money. So, mm. <laughs> you know, um, for me... That's interesting you say yeah. that because it's like... You know, Advertising when it works, and I worked in advertising for a long time. When it works, yeah. you hit a home run. Right. But in my experience, uh, both in the advertising that I worked on, and I'm a, yeah. doesn't it doesn't paint a good picture of me. And also, uh, at, at the business owners that I speak to is that mm-hmm. most doesn't work, and it's yeah. a bottomless pit. And here you are in a business coming out of Etsy now with your own e-commerce website, where right. everything is measurable to within an inch of its life. Um, yeah. You know, shopping cart abandonments, um, yep. hits to website, time spent on website, social yep. media engagement. You can you can measure all that, and now. You've all of a sudden, effectively, what you're saying by wanting to advertise is that you want to embark on something that will probably build wonderful awareness if you get your creative execution right, but won't necessarily have a direct call to action that you can measure. Yeah. And, you know, I think because, you know, with my previous business, we did do advertising. You know, I took out full page ads and, um, you know, magazines and, you know, that type of a thing. And to me, I like to focus more on the PR aspect of things of sending, you know, products to editors for them to review in their magazines as, um, you know, like a hot pick for summer for, Mm -hmm. you know, the best items for giftable stockings for Christmas. Um, and so I think our strategy hasn't really, we haven't really thought about advertising from like a true advertising standpoint. We've, we've really done more of, you know, PR and, you know, reaching out to, you know, people that are within our space that we have crossover that we can do shared contests with, um, you know, that type of yeah, an approach. Yeah, right. um, do you and, know the story yeah. of First Kiss? No. Do you know the First Kiss video? Yes. So it's the most viral marketing video ever created, made by a lady who owns a fashion label in LA. So down the road from you, sort of. Yeah. And and, and uh, Melissa, her name's Melissa Coker. Uh, she was a guest on this show two weeks after she created the video. She at the at that point in time had sixty nine million views and forty three thousand comments. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So um, and all the all the clothes in the first kiss video are her are her clothes. I would argue that it's very poorly labelled, but she got so much response from it that people dug deep to find out who the hell's behind this. But you know, it was a beautiful concept. I can send you the link to the interview, but she drew on her the resources of surrounding her. Living in LA, one of her friends was a film director. She knew models, she knew actors, she pulled them all together, she got them to kiss for the first time and filmed it. (laughs) It was a bit more complicated than that, but the rest is history. So Viral videos are tough, but I can see again your brand and your 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 mental attitude and your view, your mindset around marketing. You could do it. Yeah, and and that's really kind of what you know we're focusing on now. Is okay. What's gonna What's gonna be that that big thing that we're gonna get in front of people? And um, it has to be fun. It has to be something different. It has to be something that makes sense to me. That I'm not just emailing, you know, a high res PDF to a magazine, you know, salesperson to put an article, you know, to put into their magazine. I want something that's, you know, way different. And, you know, um, I don't know, that just would relate to people more. So that's just kind of where I'm at. But something like that, I could see us doing. You you should contact Melissa. She's a lovely lady. And she's just like you, like she just wants to, you know, do good, 
have a, right. have a fun little business. And uh, anyway, I'll leave that one to you. Hey, listen, I love what you're doing, Alicia. Um, I love what you're doing from in the way you've built a business um, out of the ashes, so to speak. Yep. And I love the fact that you're willing to come on a show like this and open up and share your marketing gold, your marketing yep. insights for other business owners around the world who may either be struggling or are waiting to take their business to mm-hmm. the next level. So so thank you on both counts. Thank you. Righto. Well, how's the notebook? Full? Full of marketing gold. How good was that? Fireside chat. Alicia has got a lot to share. First of all, go and hit her up on Twitter and tell her how much you enjoyed her marketing sharing and that you heard her on the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Her Twitter handle is at 3birdnest. That's the word three, and it's not birds. It's 3birdnest. Hit her up on Twitter. My top 10 learnings from that interview. I'll scoot through them. Number one, this too shall pass, right? So Alicia had a lot of bad stuff going on during the various businesses that she had, but she worked her way through them and continues to rise from the ashes. I think it's a wonderful reminder. Number two, stand out in a world of sameness. The fact that she took photos of her product on a real model, on a real human being, versus not a mannequin, like that just makes sense, doesn't it? It seems obvious. But what are your competitors doing, and how can you do better than that, do the opposite of that, and stand out? Number three, start with what you've got. You know, Alicia started with her iPhone and was taking very cool photos with her iPhone. I love that. Don't feel you have to go and buy all the great equipment to smash out great marketing. You'll get there because you'll start to earn more money as you slowly do great marketing. Number four, if you love what you do, time becomes irrelevant. Alicia was, you know, two in the morning sifting through photographs that she'd taken the day before. I mean, Marketing becomes a hobby when you love it and time does become irrelevant. Number five, reinvest your profits back into the business. In the Robert Kiyosaki game that I played this week, there's a, there's a thing called doodads. Um, and doodads are those things that you go and waste your money on. Um, I think we've all been guilty of buying the odd doodad. And uh, sometimes we just got to reinvest more money back into the business. Number six, uh, continual fine-tuning of processes marketing processes, business processes, whatever they are. Number seven, get excited to ship. Like Alicia loves shipping Christmas, loves delivering Christmas. Shipping, that whole concept of shipping is like getting products, getting services out the door. Be excited by it. Number eight, have fun building an amazing customer experience. Really flesh out what makes a great customer experience and Just deliver it time and time again. Number nine, listen to your customers. Yeah, obvious, but do we do it enough? Don't think so. Number 10, give more thought to your pricing. I loved Alicia's model on pricing, and I think all of us could maybe just give a little bit more thought to that very scary part of marketing, which is called pricing. Hey, loved that. I hope you loved it as well. As a reminder, hit Alicia up on Twitter at 3birdnest. Tell her you heard her here. I'd love to know what you think. We're talking about this episode inside the forum. Uh, We will be when I post it. I'd love to hear what you think. Leave a comment in the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and look for episode 235. Righto, marketing quote of the week. 
Love this one. I resonate with it hugely. I hope you do too. I don't know who it's from. I've had it written down for a long time and I don't I, I can't attribute it to someone. So if you said it and you're listening, thank you. The quote goes like this. If you're a good marketing person, you have to be a little crazy. <laughs> yep. Righto. If you enjoyed this episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then you are going to love next week's episode where we're joined by past guest of a number of years ago, Steve Sims of Bluefish, an LA-based concierge business to the stars. He's got some wonderful insights to share. To never miss an episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, head over and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a bit of feedback while you're there if you don't mind. Be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reed, that's R-E-I-D, to book me for a speaking engagement at an upcoming conference, because that's what I do, head over to timreed.com.au. And if you want to pay it forward, then go ahead and tell another motivated business owner just like you about this show. They will love you forever. Be sure to head over to, uh, to Net Registry and just get your online marketing sorted once and for all, netregistry.com.au. And a very big thank you to all those who have left a review on iTunes or comments in the show notes. Myself and my guest respond to, respond to all show note comments. And a special thanks to forum members. Love you guys. You can head over and register if you're not a member at crankmymarketing.com. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. You are a motivated business owner, and you've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.